This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bakalu. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I am your host, Arlenis. Thank you for joining us on this new episode. It's always a joy, uh, it's always a joy to have you all join us uh, every Tuesday at 9 a.m., with a new episode where we listen to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. And as we do every Tuesday, we have a new guest, uh, a very special brother that I've been able to connect through, uh, Dwayne, our brother Dwayne from the BART Network. So a big shout out. He's actually representing. If anyone is watching the video right now on YouTube, <laughs> you can see that our guest is <laughs> is wearing one of the gears from the uh, the Bar podcast uh, from our, our brother Dwayne, whom we love so dearly. So thank you to Dwayne uh, just for his faithfulness and for connecting us with uh, Grady. And that's our guest. So please help me welcome Grady. <laughs> Welcome, Grady, to our podcast. Thank you so, so much for joining us. It's my honor and my privilege to be with you. Yeah. I just love your podcast, and and it's a blessing to just be on here with you. Thank you so much. I, I've been able to read your testimony. Like I was, you know, before we started recording, we were just chatting a little bit and kind of, you know, just getting to know each other a little better. And I told you how my husband and I, we were just astonished like we were just amazed to to hear in the way that the lord has worked in your life and continues to work in your life and just seeing your love for the lord also i mean brother Dwayne told me i love that man that man is i just love him and i actually just sent him a picture before we started <laughs> showing him <laughs> that i'm with you here and he said that he just loves you so um it seems like you are very special to join as well so just very excited for everyone to get to know you and hear just how the lord has been working in your life and uh and that is our joy you know and our hope is that uh people will come who who do not know christ they will come to know christ through the testimonies that we yeah. bring here every week because mm -hmm. in the end it's not about us it's about christ it's about the work of christ in our lives through the power of the gospel Uh, we know and we acknowledge that we are sinners, that we are wretched sinners. There is no one good, not even one. And we know that it's because of God's grace, because of his love and mercy towards us that uh, we now uh, have peace with God. And we have a uh, hope that someday we will be in heaven with him. Like if we die today, we know that we will be in heaven, not because of us, but because of Christ. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Yes. That's what I look so forward to. Yeah. And the older I get, the more I look forward to spending time with my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords. Amen. And with my brothers and sisters from every nation. Yes. That's what that's I'm looking one, for. That's one thing I can say. My mother always stressed with us when we were little and my grandparents, that there's only one race. Mm -hmm. We're to treat everybody the same and the way we want to be treated. Mm -hmm. And it didn't matter their ethnicity. It didn't matter whether they were rich or poor. It didn't matter their education. Nothing mattered. You treated people the way you wanted to be treated. And even before I become a Christian, Uh, that was one thing that was instilled in me, and 
I've always loved people. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's like, and Christ himself told us, right. That we are to love our neighbors and, um, mm-hmm. and that's a command, you know, like God, that's something that he told us to do. And, 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 and we do that, you know, just loving one another, helping one another, uh, being there for each other, you know, encouraging each other, uh, when we need it. So yeah. And then we are to be Christ-like, you mm-hmm. know, and, and just like Jesus, obviously he was very, open and he will call things for where they were. If you were a sinner, then, you know, or like when he will speak even like to, to the Jewish leaders, you know, like, and he told, and he told them like, you are not doing the things that you are doing the things of your father, but your father is basically Satan, you know? So just like he was very forward with that also with calling out sin and calling people to repentance. He also is a loving Lord. He died for us. He gave up his life for us. He, you know, he is our, he is the friend of sinners and, uh, what I hope we have in him. Praise the Lord for that. Yes. And I could not imagine Christ turning away mm-hmm. someone that come to him. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, come unto me, all ye are weary and heavy laden and I will give yeah. you rest. What mm-hmm. a great savior. What a great God. Amen. Amen. So, uh, Grady, I love, uh, just starting off, um, having our guests uh, sharing a little bit about their background, uh, sharing about their upbringing, you know, with your family, what was it like for you going, growing up Were you're raised in a believing home and, you know, you just can take it from there for us. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I was born on Easter Sunday in 1954. And I don't know if it was because of that, but always my mom always made me feel special. But I think my mom just she just loved people, and she always made everyone feel special. And uh, uh, my dad claimed to be a believer. He was a uh, deacon and a Sunday school superintendent, and but I never seen Christ lived out in his life, uh, and it really turned me against. Christianity. But with my mom and her mom and dad, uh, my grandpa and grandma Cole, I've seen Christ lived out. Mm-hmm. And I can remember as a young boy walking with my grandmother to to the garden and we'd go get vegetables and we'd go get eggs from the hen house and stuff. And she'd, she'd say to me, and I was probably seven, eight-ish, nine-ish, uh, she'd always ask me just about Every day, she'd quote from the book of James. She'd say, life is a vapor. We're here today and gone tomorrow. And she'd look at me and she, and they called me by my middle name, which is Edwin. And she'd say, Edwin, do you understand what I mean? And I'd, and I'd look at her, you know, uh, and I'd say, yes, Grandma, but I really didn't. And she'd say, remember how the dew was here this morning when we come out, how quick it was gone. And I'd say, yes, she'd say, that's how fast life is. And I, my grandmother must have been in her 60s then when she was telling me that. She lived to be, uh, I want to say, 92 in her mm-hmm. 90s. And, uh, but her and my grandfather, Cole, both were always uh, – Godly, I never heard my grandfather ever say a cuss word. I've had, I don't know how many people tell me he was the humblest man they ever knew. He was a big man. He was about 6'2", which was big in those days, and strong. 
And I can remember him plowing with his mule. He never had a, never had a license. He, he <clears throat> had a mule he plowed with. And I can remember him looking back and seeing me trying to step in his steps. And he would shorten his steps so I could step in them. And so they were my Christian influence. And as I got older, when I was 11 years old, I believe I was 11, at church one, one time, we were having, and I'll put it in parentheses, revival meetings, because it's not truly a revival unless God sends it. But back in those days, as a Southern Baptist, we called them revival meetings. And I can remember the preacher preaching on hell, and I knew I didn't want to go to hell. So I went forward, and I was baptized and uh, joined the church. And I can remember going to school in the seventh grade and telling people about Jesus and them laughing at me. And I was like, well, you know, this isn't all that's all that, you know, I thought it was going to be. I thought everybody would want to, you know, know about Jesus and know how not to go to hell. And then when I was, as I got older, when I was 14, I went to work when I was 12 in a grocery store. Back in those days in North Carolina, you could get a work permit. And I worked in a grocery store during the summer to get out of tobacco fields because I'd worked in my, with my aunts and uncles in tobacco fields and knew I didn't want to do that. And so I went to work in a little neighborhood grocery store. And then when I was 14, I went to work in a cafe. And the guy I was working for was was giving me uppers and downers. And he would have mixed drinks at night. And I started drinking. And I ran away from home twice and was locked up twice. My dad was friends with the local sheriff. And the second time, him and my mom, and the sheriff come up to the cell and talked to me and wanted to know if I wanted to go home. I said, no, I'm not going back to that place. And they left. And a few minutes later, my mom come back. She said, look, if you don't come back home, they're going to put you in a reform school. And I was like, my thought was I can always run away from home again, but I probably couldn't run away from reform school. So I told her, I said, yes, I'll come back home. So she went and got dad and sheriff and they come and let me out. And I went back home and my dad and I, mom said we were so much alike, but for some reason we could, we was always bucking heads and never could get along. And it's, my dad was faithful as far as going to church. He was our Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But during the week, I never seen him open his Bible, never seen any kind of changing. You know, uh, he would, he would, I never heard him take the Lord's name in vain that I remember, but he would use other curse words and, uh, and very strict disciplinarian. And when I was, uh, 14, uh, he and I had a big, big, big fight one time and he would use a belt on me. And, uh, my mom tried to break it up. He would, he told her just, you know, stay out of it. Uh, ended up that, uh, I, uh, I told him, you'll never, you'll never hit me again with a belt. And from that time on, and whenever there was discipline needed, it was fist to fist. And, 
Wow. <laughs> he always won out. <laughs> so I don't know why I wanted to go that route, but he always won out. But uh, <laughs> I was I was very I was very hard hearted and stubborn, I reckon you could say. Mm-hmm. But if you had asked me if I was a Christian, I would have told you yes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, here I was at 16, I started using uh, smoking pot and uh, drinking alcohol. Uh, me and another friend of mine, we'd lay out from school and, and go get a case of beer and ride around and drink. and or, or I'd get with some friends and smoke dope. And I mean, I was just a renegade. I was wicked. And uh, when I was 18, I decided to join the military to get, get away from my dad. And I joined the Air Force, which is what my dad had been in. And I went to Lackland uh, in San Antonio, which is where all the Air Force people go for basic. I had real long hair. I was considered a hippie. (laughs) And uh, in fact, they had three barbers. And and between the three, they flipped a coin. And the guy in the middle won to cut my hair. And uh, I sat down. And he just took the razor right down the middle. And I could feel the hair falling. And uh, to me, it was a very sad day, but but mm. it probably needed to be done. <laughs> and uh, uh, I went through basic, and I w- it was in 1972. Vietnam was winding down, but I was a medic, so I had put in for Vietnam. But I ended up uh, coming back to North Carolina, the Pope Air Force Base, base which is now Pope Army Field, uh, mm-hmm. and which is next Fort Bragg. And I was stationed there the whole time. Mm-hmm. And my mom and dad had no idea I was doing drugs. And wow. I come home from the base. with I had a buddy from High Point, North Carolina, which is just west of me, and a friend from Wilmington, North Carolina, which is on the coast. And we were going to High Point to party. And I would drop by my house and drop off my clothes. My mother would do my clothes for me. And I would drop them off. And we went to High Point and we partied that weekend and come back by on Sunday afternoon. And when I walked in the house, I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what was wrong. Yeah. And I was I was like, mm, something's not right here. I could tell the way my dad was looking at me. Yeah. And I walked to my bedroom and my mom followed me. And we got in there and she pulled out a bag of pot. And oh, she no. said, What is she said, what is this? And I said, marijuana. And my mom started crying. Mm-hmm. And they were very uneducated when it came to drugs. And my mom started crying and she said, You're gonna die. You're gonna be dead, you know. And I was like, No, I'm not. Then my dad come in and he he was making threats and told me I was no longer welcome in her house to never come back. And and that hurt my mom because, you know, she didn't want to completely shut the door. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I said, Mom, I've done acid. I've done, uh, I've smoked uh, heroin. I've done about anything you can think of. The only thing I would never do was run. I never would uh hit up with a needle. I just mm-hmm. never had that desire, but I did uppers and downers and, uh, quaaludes and, uh, 
acid and I mean, just about any kind of drug you can imagine. And it was pretty prevalent in the Air Force. Uh, it was amazing at how much drugs was in the military at that time. Wow. And uh, so, you know, I go back to base thinking, you know, hey, I'm my own man. I don't need them. And occasionally my mom would call and my uh, barrett mates would let me know. They would say, hey, your mom's on the phone. And I'd tell them to tell her I wasn't there. And she would send letters, and I would, I would read the letters, and then just uh, throw them away. And I just, you know, had no interest whatsoever. And I knew I had a praying mom because a lot of times when I was a teenager, I would come in and I would hear my mom crying out to God, praying for me and my siblings that He would touch our hearts and save us. And I would think it was a joke. I laughed. I was I was so hard-hearted and cold towards uh, the gospel and towards Christianity. But then <clears throat> I got busted by the SBI, the State Bureau of Investigation, for uh, distributing marijuana and uh, uh, acid, <laughs> LSD. And, uh, I had three, they had three counts of each against me. I was looking at 75 years in prison and I got put in jail. I was getting ready to be discharged from the air force. And I even signed my discharge papers, honorable discharge papers sitting in the Cumberland County jail in federal North Carolina, Wow, which is where Dwayne lives now. (laughs) but yeah i signed my discharge papers in jail my first sergeant brought them to me and i had used my phone call on my i had three roommates i'd used my phone call on one of them and no return call or nothing so i'm sitting here and one of the guys i'm in jail with says hey my lawyer's coming today and i said is he a good lawyer he said yes and i said would you ask him if he would see me Mm-hmm. He said, yes. So he come and talked to me, <clears throat> excuse me, wanted to know if I, if there was any way I could get bail. And I said, well, I'd had to call my mom. Mm-hmm. Well, he called my mother and let her know where I was at. And her and my aunt come down and seen me. And her and my aunt and my, I reckon my dad and uncle had to sign too, but they didn't come down put their houses up for my bail. And I was able to get out and I'm thinking I'm going to be able to go home, but I had to go back to the base to finish my out process. And so I could get out of the military. So I went back, I was on base about a week and a half, two weeks, did my out process and, and went back home. And when I got back home, one of the first things I did is got a job. And went to work at the hospital. And I met a nurse at the hospital and we started dating. And that was in, I'm going to say September of 71. No, uh, not 71. I'm sorry. 74. And in September of 75, we were still dating. And, uh, 
The next thing I know, she's expecting. And we got married January the 1st of 1976. I have a daughter that was born July the 26th of 76, Christine Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Christine was born, I told my wife at the time that I thought we needed to get in the church, that my parents had brought me up in church, and I thought it was best that Christine go to church. So we went to a local church that was close by. It was a Southern Baptist church. And I had several friends there because I played softball. And in fact, the guy that one of the softball teams I played on, the guy that sponsored it, he was one of the deacons there. And so about the second Sunday, I went forward thinking I need to rededicate, and I'm putting rededicate in parentheses, my life, and joined the church, and the Lord kept dealing with me. And I thought he was calling me in the ministry. And about, I'm going to say, four or five months later, after going to the pastor and and the deacons and discussing it, they licensed me to preach. And I was going around in churches in Randolph County preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my main message was soul winning because that's all I knew. And I, my basically, I was basing my salvation on works. And I thought that, you know, you had to go out and tell people about Jesus Christ and, and share. And I was using one of the worst gospel tracts of all times, the four spiritual laws. And, you know, going around sharing the gospel, went all over North Carolina with the Baptist Lay Witness Foundation. And we would go on weekends and hold lay witness meetings and go around, take people around in their neighborhoods to share the gospel with people. And two years later, I'm having an affair on my wife. We split up. I'm back out of the church again. I'm back to a lot of my old ways and doing what Ed or Grady wanted to do. Mm. I, I was, you know, I was, when I hear people say, you have a great testimony, no, <laughs> I don't have a great testimony. I was hard-headed. I was hard-hearted. I was stubborn. And I refused to yield to the Holy Spirit. I refused to hear Jesus saying, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Mm -hmm. And if your testimony is that you grew up in a Christian home and God saved you, oh, how I would give anything to have a testimony like that. That is such a precious testimony. God touched you before you had to go through the trials and the tribulations and and the sins of this world that you Dr. R.G. Lee tells a story he was a famous Southern Baptist preacher uh, that pastored Bellevue Baptist Church and his famous sermon of payday someday 
is mm-hmm. is a very very famous uh, uh, message in Southern Baptist circles. And if you've never listened to it, I suggest you go listen to it. But he tells of a young man, and when he was pastor of First Baptist Church in New Orleans, that called himself King of the Kangaroo Court, and he was seeing Doctor Lee was on the radio there, and this young man would send him vile letters. And tell, and then sign them, King of the Kangaroo Court. And one day, Doctor Doctor, or uh, one night, Doctor Lee got woke up, if I remember right. And it was a nurse from the hospital, and she said, "There's a man here, calls himself King of the Kangaroo Court, and he wants you to come see him." Mm-hmm. And Doctor Lee said, "Sure, my dear, I'll be down to see him." And he got up, got ready, went down, and he was in a ward. And it, from the sounds of it, I believe he must have had tuberculosis and was dying. And Dr. Lee went in and, and talked to him. And he said, Dr. Lee, he said, please, I want you to tell others that Satan pays in counterfeit bills. Mm-hmm. Satan pays in counterfeit bills. I can attest to the truth of that. He pays in counterfeit bills. If you're a young person and you're watching this, please, please, please don't fall for the the ways of the world, for the ways of Satan. Get on your knees and seek God. Cry out to Him and seek the Lord Jesus Christ and let Him change your life. Let Him give you abundant life, the living water. The water that never ends. I just, I beg you that. Don't go through what I've went through. I ended up, after I got back in the ways of the the world, I divorced my wife. I ended up in one relationship after another relationship. I ended up, I went to school, went to college, got my degree in radio and television broadcasting. Uh, Met, a, met another lady there, and we started living together. I have two sons. One, my oldest, is in the Army. He just got awarded the Bronze Star. I'm so proud of him. His name is Chad, and Matthew is an electrician. and he But he works for the Honda place. He uh, works on Hondas instead of doing electrical work. He's more happier doing that. And uh, I'm... I'm Proud of my children. The Lord's blessed me with, with three three fine children. And their mother, Chad and Matthew's mom, and I split up. And I was just, I, I met another lady, and I was dating her. And I was at the end of my ropes. I was happy as the world sees happy, but I had no inner peace. I had no happiness at all. I was just in inner turmoil. And one night after Mary, the lady I was dating, had left and went home. I was in my apartment. I was living in Broadway, North Carolina. And I had a bookcase in front of me. And on it, I had made sure I did not have a Bible in my room. Because I knew what conviction was like. And I was running from God. I was like Jonah. I was running. (laughs) Instead of a whale, (laughs) one of the books I had bought 
when I was studying to go into the ministry was a book. And I don't, yes, I do know how it got here, but it wasn't supposed to be here. But by the providence of God, it was on that bookshelf. I mean, I had all these other books about FBI and crime because I love criminal his stuff like Bonnie and Clyde and, and the 30s and FBI and uh, the mafia, stuff like that. I've always been interested in stuff like that. And But there was this one book, and it was called Adjust or Self-Destruct by a preacher in Wisconsin, a Baptist preacher, Craig Massey. And it was on Romans 6 through 8. And I'm laying there, and I am miserable. The Holy Spirit is just convicting me. And I really felt like the Spirit was saying, if you don't surrender and give your all to me, this is it. You'll never have another chance. Mm. And I'm laying there, and I am crying like a baby. And I look up, and I see this book. And I grab it, and I start reading. And it's got, you know, quotations from Acts 6 through 8. I mean, Romans 6 through 8. One of the, you know, what better passage to speak about? Are you going to live for God? Or are you going to continue on in sin? And I cried out to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, Lord, I don't care what it costs. I don't care what it takes. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you until my last breath. I don't care. So that night, I surrendered myself to the Lord Jesus Christ. He drew me in. It was not me. It was him. He drew me in. And I've never been the same. Now, I'm not going to say I'm perfect because none of us are. We still sin. That's why we have 1 John 1, 9. There, that we can call upon his name if if you sin and he will he will forgive you of your sins mm-hmm. and my righteousness is in Jesus Christ it's not in me and when I fail I know that he still loves me his mercy endures forever just read Psalm 136 and one of my life verses is is Psalm uh, 1914, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing unto you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He is my rock. He is my redeemer. He is the true and living God, and he is coming again. Amen. I failed many times, but he is not ever failed me and even after that time i thought i was rededicating my life once again and i'll put that in quotations and about a year later i was in a bible study with one of my best friends dr mark roberts who is an optometrist and we were having bible studies out of the book of first john using dr john MacArthur's bible uh study and We went through the passage where they were not of you, for had they been of you, they would not have left. And afterwards, Mark and I were talking in his study, and Mark said, he looked at me and he said, I don't think you were ever saved until last year. And we started talking about that passage. 
And I was convicted in my spirit that Mark was right. So I went to my pastor and I was baptized again, which was the true believer's baptism. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was dating my wife and her parents would not accept me because of my past. Mm -hmm. And it's sad to say, but her parents, uh, I think they're trying to get by on works. I've tried to talk to them, but, I believe they they're they go to a Baptist church, but I believe they're trying to get to heaven on their works, and it really burdens me. Mm-hmm. And they would not accept me because of my past, and that's what I talked to Doctor MacArthur about at a conference one time. And he told me that my past was my past; that Jesus Christ had forgiven me, that that I had been born again, and that. My wife and I needed to, if if the Lord was leading us to get married, and if she was a Christian, we need to get married. So we went and got married. <laughs> we went to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and got married. Her parents, uh, we spent a week up there on a honeymoon, come back. We prayed and went to see her parents. And my wife was totally heartbroken. Her mom and dad told her they were never, she was never welcomed their home because she had married me and my wife is an only child and she went we went from september to december without her seeing her mom and dad ever hearing from them or anything we got them christmas gifts and went over did not know if they would let us in our pastor had went and talked to them twice both times before we got married and he had told us that they would never accept me. Mm. So we went over at Christmas with their gifts, knocked on the door. They allowed us in the house. We gave them their gifts. I gave her dad, this is how long it's been. You probably don't remember these. I gave him a VCR. Oh, I know those. Yeah. My dad used to have, uh, well, because I grew up in Dominican Republic, we didn't have like cable in my town. So the only thing we had probably was a VCR and my dad was always recording, you know, so he had those big tapes or the Uh little ones. So yeah, (laughs) very familiar. (laughs) Okay. Well, I gave her dad a VCR and her dad said, you know, I'm not real good with electronics. Can you hook this up for me? And I said, yes. And her and mom are over in the kitchen real busy doing, you know, doing stuff. And uh, her mom wanted to know if we wanted to eat supper. And, and I said, yes, I was about to starve. And uh, <laughs> uh, so I got her dad's VCR hooked up and we had supper with them. And from that day on, it's kind of been like I'm the son and my daughter, my wife is the daughter-in-law. <laughs> And wow. and they accepted my sons, and they would, whenever the boys was visiting, they would want to know what my mother-in-law would call over, what you want me to fix. And before that, my mother passed away on August the 28th. Karen and I was married September the 19th. And my mom, as I said, there's no doubt I know where my mom is. It was a hallelujah time for me. She and I got four years together with me knowing the Lord, and we got to so many godly times together. 
And I just praise God for those times with my mom where we could pray together and we could worship him together. And, uh, but she passed away on August the 28th. In fact, that's one reason Karen wanted to get married because she said that made her realize the brevity of life because my mom was only 59. My dad found my mom with her arms straight out, laying on the couch, straight out, and her eyes open. And you will never convince me that the Lord Jesus Christ didn't say, Hazel, come home. And she reached for him, and he grabbed her. (laughs) And uh, I just praise God that my mom's at home. I look forward to seeing her and my grandparents, uh, other family members, and all my brothers and sisters from eternity past and eternity future. And I look so forward to that day when the Lord will take me home. I'm 67. I don't know how many more days I have left on this earth. I have a stent in my heart. I have a blockage that they can't do nothing with, but I'm on medications. Uh, he still blessed me with pretty good health. I go after a while for my regular checkup. And in a couple of weeks, I'll have a uh, stress test, a nuclear stress test. But mm-hmm. God's been good. I cannot, if I, if I could change anything, it would be, I would have been a six or seven or eight or nine year old that come to understand what Christ had done and given my life to him and never had the heartache of divorce the heartache of being separated from my children, of the heartache of having illicit sexual relations that God does not want people to have. People, there's a reason God doesn't want us to have those. It, Our emotions become involved. Our hearts are broken. God made us for one man, one woman. I am truly convinced that had I obeyed God, that eventually my wife that I'm married to now, well, almost 29 years, Lord willing, in September, would have been my life mate. Mm -hmm. But I was disobedient. I got ahead of God, and I didn't want to obey God uh, and try to do things my way. It doesn't work when we do them our way. He made us, he's our creator, and we need to bow and obey him. And life is so much easier when we obey him. It's so much joyous, so much peaceful, and we get to meet brothers and sisters. We have brothers and sisters all over this world. You'll understand passages in scripture that when you were lost, you was like, what does he mean? This is not my mother and my brothers, but you are my mother and brothers that obey me. He's wanting us to obey him. Just as Samuel told Saul, he doesn't want sacrifice as much as he wants obedience. Mm -hmm. He loves you and he cares for you. He loves you so much that he become a man the man, Jesus Christ, he died for your sins. He took the sins that you have committed. He took the wrath that God intended for you. Mm-hmm. 
and he poured them out on his son, Jesus Christ, for you. And I just beg you to please fall on your face and cry out to God. Please give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and serve him and worship him and give him glory. Thank you so much uh, for that and just uh, being so open about um, your past and, you know, just it's not to to exalt those sins in our lives, but it's to see where Christ had to save us from, what Christ has to save us from and to see like our stubbornness, you know, like uh, disobedience. And I think, you know, as you were saying that, um, that we just need to obey him. I mean, we see it with Adam and Eve, right? It just started mm -hmm. there. It was a disobedience issue there. God told them not to eat from the tree. And what did they do? They disobey God. And that's, you know, that's where we begin with the fall, right? And now we see it throughout humanity, how we just don't want to obey God. Like right. that is like a big problem in everyone's heart. Like we just don't want to submit to what God is telling us to do. And yet all we want to do is just, my way or the highway. It's like, it has to be my way, you know? So, mm -hmm. and that's where we see this bottle that we just don't want to submit to God. We don't want to obey him. And that's, that's all that he's requiring, right? He's requiring us for us to obey, but we can't. And then there we go. We need Christ because Christ obeyed God <laughs> perfectly. He never disobeyed the Lord. I mean, even unto death. And we mm -hmm. saw him, you know, we like uh, crying and, and, and telling the, the, the God, the father to remove this cup if you know, from him, but not my will, but your will be done. Right. Amen. Amen. It's and like Jeremiah said, our hearts are deceitful mm -hmm. and wicked. And yeah. we have no idea. And even once we accept Christ, Our heart still tries to deceive us. And you got the world and you got Satan. We've got three things fighting us. And all we have to do is rest in Christ. As the writer of Hebrews says, enter God's rest. Yeah. Rest yeah. in him. Amen. Yeah. And uh, Grady, we, I mean, I, as I uh, hear, you know, you explaining your life before and then you coming to Christ. I mean, it's evident, you know, that. There, you have this genuine love for the Lord, and that's one of the changes that we can see, right? So can you just share a little bit more about uh, once the Lord truly comes and gives you true repentance and you really give up your life to the Lord, what are some of the changes that you begin to, to notice in your life? How does your life change from your previous life to this new life in Christ? Well, for one thing, uh, Your desires change. Uh, the lady I was seeing at the time could not understand why we could not long, no longer have sexual relations. <clears throat> I told her, I said, I am not the same person. I'm a, I'm a new creation in Christ. Uh, therefore, if, if anyone be in Christ, or a new creation. And he took the desire for sin away. Mm -hmm. And one of my heartbreaks is I had given her a, 
a, te- a Bible. And my prayer was, Lord, I kept praying, Lord, please save Mary, because I want her to get saved, because I thought she was the one that I was to marry. Mm-hmm. And we agreed to separate temporarily, not see each other temporarily. And I moved back to Asheville. She was still in Broadway, North Carolina. And uh, we would call occasionally. And she was she worked in the hospital uh, as a phlebotomist. Is, I think that's right. They draw blood. Is that phlebotomist? Mm-hmm. Anyway, they draw. She was in the lab. Draw, You know, she would draw blood. I had to have my car worked on. And the guy that worked on my car was in, in Broadway. And Mary's sister lived in Washington, D.C., but had an apartment in Broadway. And mm-hmm. so I called Mary and asked her if I could stay, stay at her sister's apartment that Tuesday night because Gary was going to work on my car on Wednesday. And she said, yes. So I went down there to stay on Tuesday night. And I went by the hospital to see her. She'd called me and told me she wanted me to come by the hospital. So I went by the hospital to see her. And when I walked in, I could tell something was getting ready to happen. And she told me, she said, uh, uh, she said, I think it's best that we break up. Mm-hmm. And that really broke my heart because I had been praying. You know, mm-hmm. uh, once again, I was kind of praying my will instead of God's will. Uh, well, I wasn't one, I was praying my will. God, if you'll just let Mary get saved, you know, here, even though I'm a Christian, I'm still trying to do the little bargaining thing. And Mary told me it was over. And I left and I went back to her sister's apartment and I don't think I slept that night. I cried and, and prayed to God. And the next morning when I woke up and one of the things I had turned Mary off cause when I had thought I was being called into ministry, I would preach to people if they were smoking, if they were drinking, you know, all this, you know, all external stuff. Instead of the internal, which is where God wants to make the change. And I was preaching to Mary because she smoked and she liked to drink a beer occasionally or have some wine. And mm-hmm. and I would tell her, you know, you need to quit doing that. And so anyway, I went back that night and I, and I prayed and, and cried and got up the next morning and out beside the door was a box. And it had everything I had ever given her, including the Bible. Mm. But what broke my heart most was when I opened the Bible and I started going through the New Testament, she had highlighted so much. The Lord was dealing with her. And I have prayed for her every day. I don't know. I know where she lives, but I haven't seen her. Uh, I don't think that would be appropriate for me to go see her. But I've prayed that the Lord has continued to deal with her and that one day I'll see her as my sister in heaven. That's my prayer. And uh, uh, the Lord gave me a desire for his word. Uh, he I, he gave me, it was funny. I started praying for uh, uh, patience and I kept having all this stuff happen to to me, 
Well, we know the book of James says tribulation brings patience. And so I went to talk to my pastor at the time, and Dr. Jack told me that uh, he said, what are you praying? And I said, I'm praying for patience. And he opened to the book of James, and he said, "You're no wonder you're having all these things happen. <laughs> so he said, don't pray for patience. He said, God will give you patience as you grow in him. And But I got very involved in Bible studies. I started teaching a, uh, our young adult Sunday school class every other Sunday. Uh, it was funny in that class, the, it was me and one other guy. And if I remember right, it was either 14 or 16 ladies. And every Sunday I would be like, Lord, which one? Which one do you have for me? Because I knew I wanted a companion. And my wife was in that class because we had met and she had started coming to church there and she was in the Sunday school class and we would all go out and together and it'd be me and Randy and all these other ladies and Randy ended up marrying someone that wasn't even in the class. Uh, another, a godly girl he had met and, uh, my girl had on my wife had only started coming to the class because she and I were dating. So, uh, but uh, he just he gave me a desire to reach others for him with the true gospel, mm-hmm. with the gospel that changes lives, not that changes the exterior but changes the interior. God has to change the heart. Ezekiel says in chapter 36 that he will change the heart and the Holy Spirit will come in into you and you will become his children. He was talking not only to the children of Israel, but to those of us that are his children now through the birth, the rebirth, that Jesus told Nicodemus about in John chapter three, you must be born again. Mm-hmm. We must be born again. And it's, it's of the spirit. It's, it's not of the flesh, but it's of the spirit. You can change. You can try to change. You can, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, have New Year's resolutions. How long do those usually work? Not very long. (laughs) But when Jesus Christ changes you, it is a life-changing commitment. It is He changes you for life. He gives you new desires, new hopes, new foundations. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Amen. Yeah. And sin, you know, it's a heart issue. You know, there is a heart issue that needs to, you know, and we need a new heart. It, it It's like a heart surgery that the Lord has to come and do in our lives. Right. And yet mm-hmm. when we preach the gospel, we know that obviously it's in the Lord's hand. We need to be faithful, share the gospel um, and the rest will be in God's hand. You know, salvation belongs to him, but he is the one who gives us a new heart, right? And everything else then will change. Just like you mentioned, right? You you are describing things that you were doing before, before salvation <laughs> and how 
when the Lord comes and gives you the new heart, you have new desires. Now you want to be a man of one woman, you know, want to have your wife and be faithful to her, right? You're not looking to do all those drugs that you were doing or the drinking or the <laughs> lifestyle, right? It's not that Rock. you that you changed it yourself, but those are things, those are results of the true saving faith that you will no longer desire the things of this world, but you will desire the things that pleases God. And yes, we might be seen weird and we might be seen boring in the world, but so what? At what cost? Like um, yesterday uh, in the evening service here at Grace Community Church, uh, it, it was uh, the preacher was saying that, you know, like he was like saying like, you know, college kids, like you're probably going to go uh, to college that you're starting mm -hmm. this week at the master's university and you probably want to fit in or even adults, right? Like trying to fit in like um, and, and, and they don't, you know, like, oh, but what if I I'm truly like, you know, if I'm behaving like a Christian, you know, I'm going to be rejected. But so what? You know, we will be seen as crazy, as foolish, like for the world, you know, but we know that the gospel for us is for salvation mm -hmm. and, and that's okay. Peter said we would be a peculiar people and we are. And we are. And one of the other things and something that I had fought when I was in the military in 1973, I dated a black girl and I wanted to get married. And she would not marry me because she said, my family would never accept you. Mm -hmm. And I knew my mom and grandparents would her, but my dad wouldn't probably, you know, he would have uh, been very against it. But one thing in Christ, and I think the church really needs to emphasize this. There's only one race. There's only one race. There's different ethnicities, but we all came from Adam and Eve and from Noah and his sons after the flood. There's only one race. And we need to let the world know this. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. And in Christ, there is no difference. Amen. Amen. And Talking about uh, where um, before we were recording, we, we were talking a little bit about what you do for a living. The, you're a truck driver. And yes, there has been a, a great opportunity for sharing the gospel, you know, just a gospel opportunity in what you're doing and also listening to podcasts and things like that, right, that you do as you drive. So can you just please share with our listeners a little bit about that, um, you know, just how the Lord has been using uh, this uh, for his kingdom, you know, for you, giving you the opportunity to share the gospel, um, what you're doing basically right now. Yeah. I'd be glad to. Some of you know, I'm sure that's probably watching, and some of you don't. I'm a professional truck driver. I've been driving a truck for over 30 years. And before I started this, my wife and I prayed about it. And I really believe the Lord was giving me a mission field, and he has. And back a few years ago, I found a, a, a ministry called Go Thereforth Ministries. They're out of Mount Julia, Tennessee, and they make little testaments. And they've got one just for truck drivers called the Trucker's Life Reference Manual. It has the New Testament, the Psalms, and the Proverbs. They make one for physicians, for nurses, for uh 
all different kinds of professions. If you go to Go There Forth Ministries, I believe it's .org, you can see all the different testaments. And all they ask is a donation. And they'll send you, you know, what you what you request. So I take those. And Paul Washer has done a little track called The Gospel According to Jesus Christ. And those of you that are familiar with Paul Washer knows that he definitely knows how to share the gospel. And I put one of those in the little testament, and I take one of either Todd Friel's little booklet, uh, Are You a Rotten Fish? or The Man, see if I can remember that one right, <laughs> The Man Who Split Time, that Paul Washer and our brother, Phil Johnson, my mom was like, sorry, <laughs> Phil, I apologize. <laughs> Phil Johnson did with, with, uh, uh, now I forgot his name. What's that for you? Yeah, he, Todd Friel. Todd Friel? Uh-huh. Did, did together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, so I'm getting forgetful. And I pass those out to truckers, uh, whenever I have the opportunity I don't know how many I've went through. I have no idea. And I also gospel tracks. I keep gospel tracks on me. If if you are afraid of sharing the gospel, get some really good gospel tracks. Trackplanet dot I believe it's trackplanet.com. It may be dot org has some really good ones. Our our brother uh Ray Comfort has some really good tracks. In fact, Track Planet has some of his. And of course, uh, the ones that uh, my mind's gone again. Uh, <laughs> Paul Washer has written uh, their ministry is granted ministries, G R A N T E D ministries, and I believe it's dot org or dot com. It's either dot org or dot com. I always get those two yeah. mixed up. But those are great tracks to share with other people. I leave them in restrooms. I leave them a good tip. Don't leave a quarter and a track for a tip. Leave a decent tip at a table when you eat in somewhere. Start conversations. My brother, Andrew Rappaport, has taught people how to start gospel conversations with people. And if they don't want to have a complete conversation, if they say they're in a hurry, at least leave them a gospel track. Share the gospel with them. We want to reach people for the gospel. We, you know, we get a bad name as reformed that we don't share the gospel. That is a lie. We do share the gospel. We don't know who the elect is. Only God knows. So we're going to let him do the electing, but we're going to do the sharing. We're going to go, therefore, into all the nations as he has commanded us. Go. Share the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives you each breath you take. He gives you each minute. He gives you everything you eat. He gives you a place to live. Everything you have is because of him. He is our sustainer. Go to the Lord Jesus Christ and he will lead you on where to go and who to share with and who to reach. And I'm going to tell you what, one thing I learned a long time ago, in my morning prayers, I pray, Lord, bring someone across my path that I can share the gospel. And he has never failed. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. He will usually it is several someones. And the other thing I have learned is you will be rewarded one day. And our rewards is not for us, it's for him. He paid it all. Mm-hmm. All to him I owe. Mm-hmm. And I do want you to pray that I will I've really been praying and I've asked others to pray how we can set up some kind of discipleship program for truckers because truckers are on the road uh 24/7 and uh, a lot of them have to work through the weekends and there's got to be a way we can set up some kind of discipleship program some way we can reach truckers to not only share the gospel, but to have Bible studies with them. And uh, right now, Dwayne's been after me to start a podcast. And the Lord's kind of been, well, I can't say the Lord is, but I've been convicted that maybe through a podcast, I can do some kind of way to reach truckers podcast. And, And maybe have a, Trucker's Bible study. Yeah. That would be well. So that's something that our listeners can be praying for just to a way to how to continue to minister to the truckers. Because I remember also, even at the beginning, before we started recording, that you said that there's even like a high rate of divorce um, for truckers, right? Yes. One of the highest rates, my understanding is their number two. There's also, if my memory serves me right. I believe there's over four million truckers in America, and they're still needing like another two million. Wow. The trucking industry is wide open. Also, truckers are bombarded with porn shops um, all over the highways in America, billboards, all kinds of sexual illicit billboards. I mean, we, you know. People wonder what's going on in America, and I truly believe, as Pastor John has said, that God is bringing his raft on us because of the sin in this country. I mean, you know, at one time, I believe our forefathers intended for us to have a Christian foundation, but we have long, long, long left that. Yeah. And... um. Our nation, certainly, our leaders definitely need prayer. I keep praying um, for our president and our vice president, members of Congress. And uh, I know our brother Andrew Rappaport, right after the election, said we need to pray for President Joe Biden. And I was surprised at the number of people that called themselves Christian that attacked him. People, Mm -hmm. that is a command from God. First Timothy tells us to pray for our leaders. And that don't mean the ones we like and the mm-hmm. ones we dislike. We're to pray for all of them. We're to pray for all of their salvation. They all have souls. Hell is a real place. There are people dying and going there every, every, every second. And how dare we <clears throat> let politics our social status, our 
ethnicity or anything else keep us as Christians from sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others that do not know him, that are lost. We've got to stand before our Savior one day, and we've got to give an account for ourselves. And I, for one, want to let the Master know that I served him and him alone. Thank you. And yeah, it's like, uh, where is our heart for the loss? You know, like you said, we don't know who the elect is. And yet we are commanded to share the gospel goal around the nations and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, that's what we're commanded to share the gospel, mm -hmm. not to whom specifically we are to pray for our leaders. And like you said, our main goal is to pray for their salvation. It's not for them to change society. It's not for them to, you know, to change um, laws or regulations or policies that you want, but it's about their soul. It's about their salvation because all of us, and we know death is real because we hear about people dying all over the place. I mean, even in Haiti uh, recently, mm -hmm. that earthquake, um, I believe um, as far as I can remember, I think it's like 2,000 deaths in mm -hmm. one earthquake. 30 out of 13,000 that were um, injured or I, I don't know. I mean, it's just been devastating and we see it. We, we know that death is real. We probably have lost a family member. And then what? You know, uh, death is real. Hell and there is only heaven and hell. That's it. And we know that because uh, we are born in sin, in sin. We are separated from mm. God. It is only through Jesus Christ that we have a way to be with the Father forever. That we have, you know, that opportunity to confidently come before the Lord because of Christ, not because of anything good that we do. Salvation is a, it's a gift from the Lord, not because of work so that none of us can boast about it. Mm. It is Amen. through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's something that uh, we just see every other religion saying about how good you have to be and how, what, and all the things that you need to do when honestly, there is nothing you can do. There is only that death. The death of Christ is the only one to satisfy the Father. And we see that through the resurrection <laughs> of Jesus Christ. You Amen. Um, but yeah, it's just a, a, a great reminder for all of us that sometimes we get so comfortable in our church circles, being among believers. And I am speaking for myself, you know, I speak of myself to include myself in that, that sometimes we can be forgetful of really praying for, for the loss, for praying for our family members that still have to come to the Lord as well. Um, and I hope that we can be reminded today of that, that, you know, that we are to pray. We, we need to be faithful in praying for the Lord to save sinners, to save those who are still that they don't know Christ or are still being stubborn and just don't, you know, they don't want to come to Christ. So that the Lord will suffer in their heart and the, the Lord will give them a new heart. Well, as my grandmother said, life is a vapor. We're here today and gone tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And none of us knows how many more breaths, how many more heartbeats. You know, I see where little kids die from cancer every day. Mm -hmm. or, 
or get shot in 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 gang wars and all of, all the horrible things. And only Christ can change the heart. Only Christ can change the world. And that's why when people say, "Well," they'll see the billboard. The answer is Christ. Why is the answer Christ? Because He's the only one that can change hearts. He is. He is the. He. When Mary broke up with me, she said, "All you want to do is talk about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus." And it's like I told her, and it's still true today. Jesus is all I've got. He's all I've got. I love my wife, but she can't save me. Mm-hmm. She's not my righteousness. I love my children, but they're not my God. I don't worship them. Mm-hmm. They're my children. Yeah. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, I love you. I love all of you, but Jesus Christ is our righteousness. He's our life. He's our everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's through him that we have access to the Father, just through Christ. Amen. And it's because of him that someday we will be able to enjoy um, being with the Father forever, for all eternity. So, Grady, I do want to ask you one last question, and it's uh, going back to, and it's more like an advice, like what will you advise um, maybe some man out there who um, also had a, you know, very rough past. And um, let's say if they're dating someone or they want to date someone, but, you know, the family, they don't want to accept him, you know, or her into this person's life because of their past. And, you know, let's say that they are believers or the family also claims to be believers and things like that. So what would you advise uh, the younger man or younger woman who wants to date um, someone who comes from a background that people are still like, you know, counting those saints or bringing up those saints, you know, that the Lord has already forgiven them. You know, they're believers. So that's part of our past. The first thing I would advise them to do is, and I know this is going to seem odd, but pray. (laughs) Pray. Get on your knees and cry out to God. Get in His Word and seek Him first. Mm -hmm. Seek Him first, and all these things will be added to you. And don't rush. I would definitely urge you not to rush into... uh, any kind of uh, marital situation. I I love Elizabeth Elliot. I don't know if you know who Elizabeth yeah. Elliot is. Yeah. But I listen to her every day on on the Bible Broadcasting Network BBN. They have an app. Uh, they still you can go and listen to her every Monday through Friday. She was talking about dating last week. As a matter of fact, I believe it may have been the week before. My weeks run together now as I get older, but. She was talking about dating being a relatively new. Back in the, up until the last century, the 1900s, 
people didn't date. They pretty much just, you know, hey, your son and my daughter would probably make a good pair, even within the church. Mm. And the young people would would be pure until their marriage night. And look at how long all those uh, marriages lasted. I don't know that my grandparents did it that way, uh, but theirs lasted uh, 70-some years. <laughs> I just had an uncle, a- aunt and uncle before my uncle passed away recently. They just celebrated their 70, I believe 74th. Wow. And, uh, but don't get impatient with God because he knows who he, he has for you. Uh, go to scriptures. Uh, you're not going to hear from God. God's not going to give you an audible uh, voice. This is the one. He's given us uh, requirements in his word for marriage, uh, what we need to look for in, in a mate. Uh, if you're a Christian, you definitely are not to marry someone that's not a believer. You're to marry someone that's godly. Search out what he tells you about looking uh, for that person. And be courteous whenever you do. If, if you're dating without her parents' knowledge, be courteous to them when you do run into them. Uh, show kindness, pray for them, especially if you think they are lost, and be kind to them. And if the Lord allows you to marry their son or daughter, show them the same love that you would show your parents. Do for them as you would do unto others. You catch a whole lot more flies with sugar than you do with vinegar. That's an old Southern saying. <laughs> that's, a, that's a new one for me. I never heard this one. Yeah, you catch a whole lot more flies with sugar than you do vinegar. <laughs> so now let's move on to some of my signature questions for other podcasts. Um, okay. What are three things that brings you joy? Three things that brings you joy. The first thing would have to be sharing the gospel. I have no greater joy than sharing my Lord Jesus Christ with others, especially uh, those that I share with and they're already believers. Then we can pray together and have a hallelujah time. Or those that, that say, you know, I really need to do that. And I urge them to do it ASAP to seek his face and allow him to change them. Other joys. Well, my one would be my Cocker Spaniel, Andy. (laughs) I did have three. I had Andy, Ellie, and Opie. And those of you who are Andy Griffith fans now know I'm an Andy Griffith show fan. Being from North Carolina and Andy was from Mount Airy, North Carolina. How could I not be an Andy Griffith fan? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I've always had dogs, so they've always brought me uh, brought me joy. And of course, my wife and my kids—they bring me joy. Uh, spending time with them when you're on the road 
for long periods of time. I used to run for three and four weeks at a time. Now I'm usually gone a week at a time at the most. Uh, You're just so glad to be back home. And being with them and my church family, Mm. I go to one of the best churches in the world. Our elders, Eric, Bob, and Jonathan are wonderful. Uh, I think it's the most loving uh, congregation I have ever been in. My brothers and sisters are are just great um, and loving, and they reach out to one another. They encourage one another. They pray for one another. We seek out to feel needs for one another. I mean, it is just a, a and uh, God has truly blessed. Amen. And my final question is, uh, why do we need Jesus Christ? Because our hearts are deceitfully wicked and we are eternally lost without him. We don't think about it, but we're all going to live eternal life. The question is, are you going to live eternally in the pit of hell? Do you really want to live in a place where there's gnashing of teeth, where there's darkness, where there's weeping and wails? Or do you want to live with your Lord Jesus Christ? He has to change your heart, and that only comes from you falling on your face before him and and repenting from your sins and bowing and obeying him and allowing him to change you day by day by day. He will change your life in such a way you'll never be the same. It's not the same, people. It's different. It is so different. I would not go back to my past life. Uh, I didn't even get into the drug dealing. I dealt drugs at one time. I had had plenty of cash, plenty of women. I mean, I had things that the world lifts high. They're not peaceful things. They don't bring you peace. They don't bring you joy. They don't bring you the peace that only God gives, the peace that passes understanding. That only comes through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. That's why we need Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much, uh, Grady. Just thank you for taking this time to share your testimony with us. And I just hope that Well, any believers who might be listened, I hope that you were encouraged. Uh, If you're not a believer, I hope that greatest life, it's a testimony of the hope that we have in Christ, that it's only found in Jesus Christ. And I hope that, like he said, you will come to repent, to turn uh, turn away from your sins and confess Jesus as Lord. Because anyone who cry out in the name of the Lord will be saved. Um, he, they offers it's, it's offering, he offers this to everyone. Yes. Um, well, we just got to call on to him. Um, and that's all we got to do. So I'm just so grateful that we were able to connect and to finally have you 
share the testimony. I know that because of, you know, your um, job, it, it was a little bit difficult for us to find a schedule that will work, but I'm so grateful that the Lord finally allowed us to, to record it and to be able to do this, but so grateful for that. And friends, thank you so much to all of you who joined us and um, please remember that you can always reach out to us via email or just simply message us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. That's a way that we can stay connected. And as I mentioned previously, don't forget to order the book that Daryl and Virgil have um, recently published, uh, uh, yes. Just Thinking uh, <laughs> About the State. So that's a great book that you guys can get a hold of it. I'll make sure to include the link again here on the show notes. So make sure you can order it from Amazon or from the uh, press that uh, founders.org. Founders. Yeah, the mm -hmm. Founders Ministry website. So you can find it there as well. I know this will be a blessing, especially with, you know, the current situations that we've been dealing with, the social justice, critical theory, a critical race theory. Uh, so they just, just they just do such a wonderful job um, really putting our perspective back to, to scripture, uh, how to just deal with all of this issue from a biblical uh, view. So um, that is our hope that we can respond in a godly way. And the only way that we can do that is through the word of God. So thank you so much again, Grady. And will you just mind closing us in prayer? No, I'll be glad to. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, Father, you are the one, the true and the living God. There is no one like you. And we just come before you thanking you and praising you that you are our salvation, our rock, and we can turn to you no matter what. Father, we thank you for all that you've done, all that you will do. But Lord, most of all, we thank you that you gave your son, Jesus Christ, that he took the wrath that we deserved, that he paid for our sins, and that because of him, we can live. We have life, Lord, and it's only through him and him alone. Now, Father, I pray if there are others here that are watching or listening, you will speak to their hearts. You will draw them in. And they will cry out to you. And they will become our brothers and our sisters. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.